Welcome to Solving Temporary Staffing Problems, the only podcast which helps you create winning MSP VMS programs that are efficient, comprehensive, and save you millions. Learn to enhance your current VMS MSP program or simply build your own with the absolute authorities in temporary staffing. another episode of Solving Temporary Staffing Problems. I'm Brianna Strobel. And I'm Jean-Paul Renard. And today we are going to be talking about cross-functional labor management, otherwise known as CFLM. We will be referring to it by its shorter name a lot throughout this episode. (laughs) So we're going to be talking about how to use it and uh, how it'll help you fill your orders and cut costs. It is a winning strategy. So, JP, are you ready to talk about this? Yeah, yeah. Can, can you say CFLM real fast 10 times? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> no. CFLM, CFLM, CFLM. <laughs> that sounds like a curse word. <laughs> it does. It does. It does. Yes. Um, I think cross-functional labor management strategies are like incredibly effective, and I cannot wait to tell you the three amazing steps that you can take, Brianna Strobel, on how to deploy a wonderful CFLM strategy at your company. Cool. So tell us a little bit about it. What is cross-functional labor management? Cross-functional labor management is a strategy that can be deployed in any labor category but it is primarily used in warehousing and distribution because warehousing and distribution has these multiple labor categories that are essential to their business. And typically those businesses that are kind of e-commerce centric also have a lot of uh, peaks and valleys. So there are a lot of vicissitudes in that environment. Um, So what companies really struggle with is how to ramp up properly Uh, during these peaks on these really difficult positions to fill. So, for example, and I'll I'll use kind of a real-world example of companies on forklift drivers, cherry pickers. Do you know what a cherry picker is, uh, Mm -hmm. Brianna? You ever see those high-low cherry pickers? They're like crazy. Like you you get in a machine, like a one-person machine, and you, you go up like five or six stories to get like crates of boxes yeah, you know it's yeah, yeah. it's bananas there's like know? a whole dance move named after cherry pickers oh is that right yeah is that right <laughs> it's no joke I'm on afraid the dance to ask. <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> so so you have these these highly skilled positions that you need to get filled sometimes that you need an abundance of people doing that task so finding those individuals during these peak periods is always very difficult so what cross-functional labor management is is having the ability to take um, individuals that are working in one category in your warehouse, like, for example, their pickers and packers, and cross-functionally training them to do another task within your warehouse. So training groups of people to become cherry pickers and forklift drivers um, and high-low drivers for so that when you need that population the most, you're not going to the exterior to find them, you're using the people in-house and potentially backfilling the easier positions that they would be abandoning. Does that okay. make sense so yeah. far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So how do you go about um, 
like setting that up. Yeah. So let me let me talk a little bit about the values first. Okay. Okay. Um, so what what will it do? It will ensure that you have the proper headcount that you need in order to support all of the jobs that you need to fill during these peak periods of time. So your fill rates will go up. Um, it will decrease, it should decrease incidents and accidents because now you're taking a population of people that are already working for you um, that have already been proven in performance and they're, they're already skilled. You're not training them, retraining them in a skill that you need them to do like forklift and high lows, which have a higher incident rate. So you're decreasing, the, you're reducing that and mitigating it. Um, you're reducing cost and training costs because you now you're not bringing in a brand new person that you need to train on your culture, everything else, and the skill. It's somebody that's already working there, right? So you reduce your costs on there. Um, and you're empowering your temp labor force because you're providing them, you're upskilling them, right? And potentially, in, in what I'll discuss, you're going to pay them a bit more. And you're going to pay them more and you're going to save money. How do you do that, Brianna? Because I'm brilliant. <laughs> I told you I'm brilliant. There's a way of doing that and saving money. Although you're paying more for the labor, you'll actually reduce your cost. And I'm assuming there's a, an element there where the people are actually happier. I mean, I would assume if you can do several skills and your job is less mundane than it was, yes. that you feel more valuable. Yes, it's great. So there's a great cultural piece in all of this because yeah. one, value to your point. Two, you're training individuals so they're growing as people mm -hmm. and as professionals, right? And then three, to your point, they're not doing the same thing over and over again. Now they have kind of a, a different thing that they can potentially do. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a really, really good point. Yeah. So let me give you an example of how this potential this uh, this potentially could work for you, right? Um, using uh, the assumptions that you're you go through these peaks that you need individuals, um, you would provide uh, machine operation training to long-term temporary associates you, or potentially your internal employees. So this could apply to your temporary labor force and to your internal labor force. And they, they're potentially working the soft skills. So they're doing material handling, pickers, packers, things like that. So now you're training a group of people to do this additional function, like I mentioned, this forklift driver or high-low or cherry picking. And so what we want to do is figure out what's the criteria that we're using to select individuals to potentially be cross-trained. So let's talk a little bit about that first, okay? Okay. So one, we're looking at length of assignment. How long has the person potentially been there, right? We want to know their performance. There's a relationship not only between uh, length and performance, if they're doing well, um, to attendance. Is their attendance strong? Are they high performers? And have they been there a while? And I'm going to tell you why the been there a while is important. One, reliability, right? Somebody who's been working with you longer, typically you know the attrition rate is going to be lower with that person. Yeah, a little so bit more of a relationship there. Exactly. Yeah. And you're making an investment of training them. Will they be here in a few months? If they've been here for a while, there's a good predictor that potentially they will be. Yeah. Second, from a cost-cutting perspective, you have an opportunity on meeting the tax burden. So the supplier who's providing that labor um, has a tax burden to meet 
that statutory tax burden, once it's met over a period of time, their margin as a supplier increases. And now you can probably share in that in that savings that the, that the supplier is uh, potentially being rewarded with by the length of assignment, which is going to translate on how you're going to save money on paying that person a little bit more. Okay. 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 All right. I know this is a mouthful. All right. So, so attendance, length of assignment, performance. These are all how we're cho- selecting the people we're going to correct, cross-train. Correct. Okay. Correct. So, because what we're trying to do is really start building a an incredible workforce, an internal workforce that can be cross-functional within the warehouse. Yeah. Right? So we're talking about performance, attendance, and length of assignment. So if we're creating this group of people, we're training that group of people to do these this cross-functional uh, uh, environment, and we're creating a cross-functional environment, and now potentially somebody is cross-trained, um, now, when we're going through a peak, um, in that peak, we are now ordering temps to backfill the soft skill positions. So we're backfilling the material handler. We're backfilling the pickers, the packers, the shippers. So when we, we go to a supplier um, and we say, look, we're taking this these 20 people that are working as pickers and packers, removing them over to do forklift and high-low, I need you to backfill these 20 positions in the material handlers because that requires less training, there's less risk of incident, and it can assist us. Now, how are we cutting costs in that environment? Well, we're going to cut costs because we're going to go back to our supplier and tell them, look, on the people that we're moving into the forklift positions, I want you to provide me a lower markup. I want you to provide me a better rate. How is the supplier going to win? I'm going to give you the backfill for the 20 people at the regular rate. So you're going to give me 20 more people and I'm going to add. I'm going to move these 20 people over here at a better rate for me and we're both going to win. right? Because potentially these 20 people have already met the statutory rate. So the margin is a little bit bigger. right? So it gives me some, some opportunity, some flexibility on pricing. And... The supplier is going to win also because their incident rate is going to go down. It's their employee because you're moving already a high performer employee into a higher risk position. So you want to negotiate that. All right. So does that all make some sense so far, Bree? That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. All right. Right. So we're basically training a group of people to do multiple tasks. And I'm assuming like... This, this is what makes sense to me, the strategy. It would be you take a very small group of your people to start cross-training because obviously you don't have a... Probably if you're listening to this, you don't have a program in place yet. And then potentially if that works for you, then you're expanding from there and maybe training more members that have been there for a long time. Would that be correct or do you suggest another strategy? Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily view it as the amount of people. Um, I think that you're right in the respects that if you're training a smaller amount, there's probably, it's, it's a nice pilot program that you can deploy to see if it works right. for you. And I think that if you take that approach, that's a wise approach. Exactly. But some of these companies don't have that luxury. So like some companies that we work with that are e-commerce, like have these huge spikes of business during the holidays. And they have a hard time filling these really critical roles to fill, like forklifts and high lows and and cherry picking. 
So how do they, they go out to the market to try to find it and they can't find it because everybody else is at peak. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's problematic, right? And then they have to bring these people in, new people into the, and potentially they found, and now they got to hope the person shows up the next day, that the person really understands the skill. There's a lot of risk in that. I say train the force that you have and backfill the easier positions. Yeah, a lot of people would go, oh, you know, on the surface it sounds like I might lose money because I'm taking hours away from my core people, you know, the people that have been there a while, to train them. You know, yeah. and I'm going to lose money on those hours. But really, you're saying in the end, you'll win out. Oh, 100 yeah. percent. So, so do you do you bet on a horse that's already won a lot of races for you, or one that you don't have any experience with? Right. Yeah. Right. So you have a group of talented individuals working for you already. You just need to identify who they are and give them opportunities um, to train up on their skills. And potentially earn more money, right? Improve your culture internally, and cut your potentially your your risk on on incidents and accidents because you have a trained internal workforce to do those tasks. So, I I highly recommend that it's whether you're using a small population or a large population, the principles still apply. Yeah. My recommendation is always identify high performers and train them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's beneficial for both parties, right? So I'm going to give you the three steps, right? Number one, let's build our team. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what's the what is the criteria? Performance. I, I'm identifying high performers. Attendance. I need to make sure that they're reliable, and they've already showed me that they're reliable. Length of assignment. One again shows to reliability. Uh, second, they've exceeded the tax burden. So there's more, a little more margin there to play with and negotiate with the supplier base. And then the individual's willingness to learn a new skill. Mm-hmm. So you have to also propose, hey, Jane Doe, John Doe, I have this new opportunity to train you. You won't necessarily start that job today, but when I need you there, yeah. I can plug you in there and you're going to potentially make a little more money doing that job yeah would you be willing to train there there has to be some eagerness from that person to do that yeah cool all right so that's step one step one let's build our team step two let's save money how do we save money in this negotiate lower markups during the time that you are in your cfl cflm execution strategy during those peak moments so back to your supplier and say look I'd like to get a reduction in markup for this period of time with this group of people because I'm going to move them into a forklift position um, or I'm going to move them into a high-low position. But I'm going to order another 20 people from you from the 20 people that I'm moving into those positions. So you're going to backfill all that at the regular markup. Yeah. Right? So start negotiating those terms with your supplier so that you can potentially cut costs. And you're basically sharing in those cut cutting cost initiatives with your supplier. Your supplier is going to be very appreciative that you're giving them the extra business to do the backfill. They're also going to be really appreciative that you're using the internal workforce to do those more risky positions because it's going to potentially put them in a re, in a reduced environment of incident mm-hmm. of accidents. Yeah. Right? And supplier needs that as well because that yeah. impacts cost as well. So, is there a step 3? There is a step three. 
Repeat step one and step two. <laughs> That's step three. So you continuously do this, Brie. So it's like you don't stop doing this. That's the mistake that companies make that even deploy a program. They just stop doing it. Like yeah. they do it with initially, but they forget that there's attrition and you're going to lose people. So to make sure that you're not doing that, you need to schedule this consistently and identify high performers Identify that when you're identifying the high performer, hey, what's their attendance like? How long have they been here? And maybe you're creating some thresholds. Everybody that's been here over two months, over three months, that's been a temporary associate, I'm going to examine immediately to see if they're potentially a cross-functional labor management strategy team member. Yeah. You know, to continue to build your pool, your team. The more people you have cross-function, um, the easier it is to, to execute this. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all I got for you on this. Cool. Yeah. So like in the beginning, you mentioned that mostly this is within warehousing, uh, but you said it can be applied to other industries. How would you recommend going about that if you're maybe in, uh, in healthcare or technology, you use a select amount of employees. Do you recommend doing the same kind of a deal kind of thing? I really do, Brie. If, 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 if people can be, if a workforce can be cross-functional it adds a lot of depth yeah so in other words if somebody leaves the company and you have three other people that are not in that capacity but know how to do that position know how to do that job man it adds a lot of depth it goes back to a podcast that we did much earlier on i forget which one it was that talks about um training internal training at companies and mm -hmm. you brought up a point that if, if somebody has these opportunities to further their education within a company, yeah, right? Now, if that company gets downsized in the marketing department, but you've learned a skill in, I don't know, in accounting, because that was your major before, and you just happened to fall into marketing, you had a job there, and then you were trained how to do, maybe there's an opportunity there that you can jump into. Yeah, I mean, so I'm already like your MVP as the, the marketing person, but uh, I also know how to do the cherry picking on the dance floor. What? So, All right. That, does that make me more valuable? <laughs> well, I mean, in my <laughs> eyes, yes. <laughs> so what is a cherry picking move in the dance floor? Oh, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like uh, you got, you got a cart. Okay. And you got to take something off the shelf, grab it off the shelf. High. Grab it off the shelf. Low. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And, uh, and they can't see this right now because this is a podcast, but let me tell you, look it up on YouTube. It's a great move. It's kind of like a white dad move at this point, but uh, I'm going to bring it back. <laughs> That's great. All right. I'm going to try that dance move next cool. time I'm out in the dance floor. Cool. Right, the cherry picker. <laughs> All right. So we are out of time for today. If there are any questions, as always on the podcast, feel free to reach out to us. Our official email for the podcast is JP's um, direct, which is jrenard at dwsworldwide.com. I will be linking that. I may also be linking a video of the cherry picking. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely. <laughs> I definitely think you should now. <laughs> so this has been another episode of Solving Temporary Staffing Problems. I'm Brianna Stobel. And I'm Jean-Paul Renard. And we will talk to you guys next time.